Welcome, everybody, into the Valley, part of the Brightside Podcast Network. I'm Philip Russell, joined as always by my guy Ryan Shutt. Welcome to the revolution, baby. But pour one out for the homie Ethan tonight. Ethan Shutt, our beloved co host, our fearless facilitator of all things Phoenix Suns basketball, is out sick tonight. He took health a personal date. Health and safety protocols. Ethan is, in fact, joining Alfred Payton and Jay Crowder in health and safety protocols. So thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. We miss Ethan. Wish him a speedy recovery and hope he uh, hope he gets to feeling better. But Ryan, first order of business, how was Christmas? Man, Christmas was was great, man. It was really just low key in the shut household. Things were calm. Uh, fortunately, Ethan and his wife held off getting sick until after Christmas. So we were able to enjoy the day, spend time with family, uh, and just kind of enjoy a, a nice low key, low key day together. What about you, man? Y'all, y'all were on the road all over the place. Do you have a good Christmas? I'm well fed and well traveled. We got, we got back to Bowling Green about 45 ish minutes ago. We were West of Nashville, where my wife grew up for the first part of the day in Northwest Indiana for Christmas and the day before, and then this morning as well. So we've been around the block, but it was, it was really good. I watched a lot of basketball yesterday while eating a lot of chicken wings. So Merry Christmas. It was great. I, uh, I see you're wearing your uh, Seattle supersonics hoodie, but rumor has it, there might be some, uh, some more Phoenix suns merch in the, in the, in the closet now. I have one or two pieces of Phoenix Suns merch now, and it ain't one. W, let's go. Yeah, so it's good. And again, to those of you listening, thank you for being here. We hope you had a Merry Christmas and are having a happy holiday season. If you would, we invite you to leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. Hit us up on Twitter. We are at the Valley PHX. If you type into the Valley of Phoenix Suns podcast, you will you will find us. And on that account, you can reach each of us individually as well. We love getting to interact with other Suns fans online. So hit us up. But all that being said, let's get into this week's action. So first, we always do a quick recap and respond to it. Since we last spoke, the Suns went two and one with a 108-90 win over the Lakers in LA, chef's kiss, a 113-101 win over the Thunder in OKC, and a 116-107 loss to the Warriors in Phoenix on Christmas Day. So again, 2-1 and record win over the Lakers and Thunder, loss to the Warriors on Christmas Day. Ryan, my guy, what stood out to you this week? In all honesty, it's the Warriors who stood out to me. I think they are head and shoulders above everybody in the West at this point. <clears throat> I, you know, I, I've seen the talk on um, a lot of the Suns networks on online, uh, and people are talking about how much they hate Steph Curry or are done with Steph Curry or are bothered by the Warriors. But here's the thing. Uh, I don't think that we're doing our jobs correctly if we're not honest with what we're seeing. And what I've seen now through three games is this, the Warriors are a much better team long-term than the Suns are right now. That's not to say the Suns can't beat them any given night because they absolutely can. 
Uh, but you have to think, especially the Christmas Day game, that was without Andrew Wiggins. That was at, without Jordan Poole. And we know Clay Thompson and Iguodala are coming back at some point uh, in the coming weeks. The Warriors are scary, man. Uh, I felt good about that Lakers win. Anytime you, you give the Lakers a drubbing, it's nice. And boy, they are a dumpster fire. The Thunder are just a fun team to watch. They're not great. They're not bad. They're somewhere there in, in the juxtaposition of the two, I guess. Um, and Shea Gilgis Alexander is always fun to watch. But man, the Warriors through three games have told me everything they need to tell me, I think, at this point, And it's that they should be the title favorites. The Warriors made me feel so many things on Saturday that I'm going to save my reaction to that for our for our main discussion and highs, lows, and just so you know. But yeah, the Warriors were... The Warriors were great on on Saturday. If you if you had to boil it down, Ryan, what is what's one thing you would say that the Warriors do better than the Suns to make you think that they're a markedly better team? I mean, as corny as it sounds, it's, it's shooting. I think we have great nights where we we can shoot lights out, but I don't think anybody shoots with the consist- consistency of Golden State, um, and it's everybody, man. Um, one to five can shoot the ball one to five can pass the ball. Um, and that's both first and second unit for the most part. Um, I think, you know, we are seeing Phoenix has some shooters um, and when they're hot, they're hot, but there are some nights where it having, you know, three or four good shooters isn't as good as having eight good shooters. Uh, and, and I think really that's what sets um, uh, the Warriors apart. Now, I think I think DeAndre Ayton has a good chance to be a difference maker if we were able to key in on that. Um, and, I, you know, that's a conversation we could probably have at a later time, too, because I think we we haven't exploited him enough in a matchup against the Warriors. Um, but, man, they just they just shoot it like nobody else. And I mean, Steph is literally the greatest of all time at this point. Uh, and everybody else feeds off of that. There, there was a relentlessness on Saturday and in some of the Steph minutes and some of those stints the Warriors struggled with playmaking, but there were times where it felt like every single guy out on the court for the Warriors was dangerous when he had the ball in his hands, where there wasn't, there wasn't a possession where on the defensive end, it was like, okay, good. He has the ball. It felt there was like an anxiety to watching, watching the Warriors when they were, when they were on offense. But similarly to that, one of the things that stood out to me this week, especially against the Lakers and the Warriors was the relentlessness with which the Suns play against the Lakers. It, they were just pouring on the Lakers, especially on the defensive end. And I was really impressed with the Suns consistency in some of their, some of their execution, which I have a few examples that I want to get to a little bit, a little bit later. And I think that's where the Warriors and the Suns are in the same, the same vein where there are, there are times with the Warriors, you can get a Curry flurry with the Suns. You can get Booker going off Chris Paul just over and over from the mid range, but the relentless execution from both teams is so engaging for me, for me to watch as a, as a basketball fan. And when one of the teams is really clicking, they're so difficult to stop and then so difficult to get easy shots against. Yeah, and I think I think what's unique about both the Suns and the Warriors is that they're constructed in a very similar way where it seems like everybody knows their exact role in the scheme. And that's really fun to watch. Yeah. When you guys have 10 when you have 10 guys on the court at all times who each one knows exactly what their role is, 
it just makes for I, I tweeted a gif of just like two heavyweights punching each other and kind of use that to describe the game. And if, if we end up in a Western Conference finals where it's us and them, um, it's going to be a slug fest. Um, and it's fun because it'll be the role players who win those games. And I think we saw it on Christmas Day when you've got guys like Otto Porter Jr. who are the clutch factor for that game and sealing it off. Um, I don't think I ever would have predicted an Otto Porter uh, closeout against the Suns to win it. But when you've got a team as well constructed as as the Warriors, you've got to expect it. So here's what we're taking away from this week, just to recap the recap. Suns go two and one, beat the Lakers handily, take care of business in OKC, lose what I thought was an entertaining game against against the Warriors. And what's standing out to us is a relentlessness from both of those teams. And as Ryan said, the scary, scary Golden State Warriors and the prospect of them getting even better. So now let's pivot into our beloved segment. It has become the brand here at End of the Valley Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Brightside Network. We're going to talk about our highs, our lows, and our just so you knows from this week in Phoenix Suns basketball so ryan start us off what was your high point this week from the suns my high point is is not necessarily like one specific thing i can look at and be like that is my high but it's the fact that even after a loss to golden state on christmas day we're still really good Mm -hmm. like having seen what we've seen going into this week um with the absolutely destruction that we brought into charlotte um, and then followed that with the Lakers win and uh, the um, the OKC win. The Warriors game doesn't mean anything. Ultimately, it, it doesn't mean anything. Now, it tells us a lot, but in the big picture, it has no ramification other than maybe where we could have been a one seed at the end of the year, tiebreakers, things like that might come into play. We're now down two games to them on the season series. Ultimately it doesn't mean anything. And we can all rest our heads tonight, knowing the Suns are still the second best team in basketball right now. But I know you're online. I know you're on Twitter as much as, as much as I am. There were people who were very sad after the Warriors game because they've been playing that really fun game of, which team has the best record in the NBA. So we can tweet out the Suns are the best team in basketball. And then the Warriors play the next night, win, go up by a half game. And then the next night, the Suns win and they go up by a half game. Once again, the Suns are the best team in basketball. So we want to, we want to say to those people who were hanging some of your arguments on, on that. We see you. We respect you kind of as a person, but just not the basketball takes. So that was just, that's been a silly thing going on. And I know some of it's tongue in cheek, but I did feel for those people. I was like, man, they wanted if, to send out their, uh, yeah, their uh, canned tweet on, on Christmas and they didn't if, get the chance. If we are going more granular though, I'm still so impressed by our bigs. And that was something I complained on day in and day out last season when we were doing our pod. Like I couldn't, I was never satisfied with the play of our bigs. And now there's not a game that we go into where I'm not confident in what our four and fives are going to bring to the table. And that's such a relief. Um, And that goes into my low a little bit, which we'll get to here in a second, but there's not a significant drop off between unit one and unit two in our bigs. And that is incredible. And so that's another high I would have, I would say. 
DA had another good week. And, and one of the one of the redundancies that we're going to get into, I think, later on in the season is there are only so many ways that we can say DA is really good and Cam Johnson shoots the ball really well. So those <laughs> right. are kind of steady highs so far this season. My high for the week was the execution during the week. And this this might come as a surprise, but especially against Golden State, I thought there were times when I was bracing myself because I thought Golden State was about to blow the doors off a couple times, whether it was Steph got a runner or Steph sprung someone loose for an open three. There were at least three times during the game where I felt that the Warriors had a significant amount of momentum and went up by eight. And three times the Suns responded with well-executed or just big boy three-pointers. And Mikhail had two of them. And then CP3 had another one. So there was there was some clutch shooting happening from the Suns on, on Saturday. But as far as execution goes, even the first possession of the fourth quarter for the Suns, third quarter ended in the tide. The Suns come out and they run their classic snap play. Spring Cam Johnson, get him open, top of the key, three, bang. That started the quarter off on a great, on a great foot. But then with a minute and a half left in the fourth, the Suns were down by six and they ran a pick and roll, not surprisingly, with DA and Chris Paul. The Warriors, which this is something that we've talked about and something that we've been worried about this year, they blitzed CP3, which meant he had to get rid of the ball. So because they blitzed him, DA's role hadn't gotten too far into um, the two-point range. So he catches it kind of close to the top of the key, and he's got a playmake at that point. Mikhail cut from DA's left. His defender stepped with him, and without missing a beat, DA whips a pass into the corner where Devin Booker was open. Booker took the shot. It missed, but it was perfect. It was perfect. It was well-executed play. DA's decision-making was instantaneous. And as some are want to say, at some point, it's just a make-or-miss league. And right there, ran a good play, book missed the shot. And that's, that's okay, because to your point, it's a game in December – but I was really encouraged down, down the stretch of that game. I was like, the Suns are still playing well, and there are going to be moments when the shots don't fall or when Otto Porter, of all people, just goes batty down the stretch of a game. And again, what, I, what I'm hanging my hat on as someone who had rooting interest in that game is the execution was there. That shot, probably in particular, as a big shot, just didn't fall, and that's all right. Yeah, and uh, you you got to love having a a steady hand like Monty too, who you can tell doesn't panic in those moments. You can tell he's not trying to scramble to 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 combat something or to make a switch. He lets it play how it's going to play and trusts his guys to fit into the flow of the game and combat against those those waves of eight ten point stretches. And um, that's just where we're fortunate. We haven't talked a lot about Monty this season after his. Um, incredible season last year, but man, uh, give give the guy his roses too. Monty has coached a, a heck of a season so far, and and continues to get the guys in position to win. Are you going to talk about campaign during your low? <laughs> I am actually. Surprise, okay, okay. Surprise, so let's but... let's transition, and then we'll uh, we'll give Monty a shout out during that during that discussion as well. Okay, highs for the week. Now we transition into our 
lows. What's your low for the week, Ryan? So my low isn't campaigns play specifically, but it's where it fits into the spectrum of our team. And I think at this point, the most glaring drop off between first team and second team is between Chris Paul and campaign. Um, and that is hurting us right now. But to Monty's credit, and I think it was four point play on Twitter who pointed out one of the things that Monty does really well, especially this early in the season, is let guys figure it out in the moment. He doesn't panic and say campaign's not playing well. We should pull him or get him out of his rhythm. He says, go out there and play through it and make it work. And, and some nights it's going to kill you and beat you. And other nights they're going to get out of that funker, out of that rhythm. Um, so I love Monty for that. And that's kind of where my, my thought was going. So, you know, that goes to show we were on the same wavelength there. You knew where I was going. But um, the drop off between Chris Paul and what he's bringing to the game to campaign right now is concerning. Um, everywhere else, two through five, when that second unit unit comes in, there isn't a massive drop off, at least in in my opinion, and in the eye test of, oh, that's a concern, or you know, this is something for the other team to exploit. Now, is is Landry Shamit going to go in and drop thirty a game? No, but he does what he does well, and he he isn't a hindrance a lot of time. What campaign has done the last few weeks now. At times, he's been sloppy enough that it has shifted the tide of the game in a couple instances, and, and is enough to me at this point that it is it is concerning um, because it isn't just like a random night here or there. It's been pretty consistent for for about two and a half weeks now. Um, so yeah, that that would be my low. Is just that drop off is really starting to get noticeable. Yeah, and and Cam, I think everybody who paid attention on Saturday knows that Cam struggled in the first half, and struggle is. Um, holiday generous coming out yeah yeah but in the second half he was three of four from the field he played much better significantly fewer turnovers I can't remember off the top I'm sure he did because he runs point I can't remember a glaring turnover in the second half where I can remember like three from the first half on Saturday and that's what I appreciated about Monty because Cam did make a difference in the second half positively that that stretch between the end of the third quarter and to the beginning of the fourth he played really well but I can see other people, a more temperamental approach, panicking and trying to win the game on, on Saturday. I can see the temptation of significantly limiting his minutes rather than giving him an opportunity to go at it mm-hmm. and figure it out and get his, get himself, get himself right. All right. I need to process some stuff with you. Are you okay, okay with man. that? Yeah, this is a safe space. All right. So back when I was in fifth, I'm playing. I felt dread rooting for the Phoenix Suns this weekend. You have alluded to this a little bit. This is my low for the week. So my high was the execution. I thought the Suns did well. I thought they played fine against Golden State on Saturday. I felt the existential dread of rooting against the Warriors. Mm. I understand that Dario Saric and Frank Kaminsky did not play on Saturday, Suns fans. I get that Dooley is out. It feels a lot different to say that Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole, Andre Iguodala, Damian Lee were all out. Not only that, but they are still waiting for a first ballot Hall of Famer to come back. And a kid. And they were missing four coaches, right? Yeah. 
and not that that affects on court, but that affects how your your game assessment goes. And a kid who should be significantly better than he was last year in James Wiseman. And when I first felt that and then kind of took some time to process it was in the second half in the fourth quarter, the Warriors ran a play that would give Chris Paul fans specifically some PTSD. They ran a, they cleared out the right side of the court and ran a pick and roll, which if you're not a super big basketball nerd, that might not mean too much, but against the Rockets in the series that went to seven, the Warriors without KD started running a pick and roll every single time, the same set down the court because they had figured out the Rockets. And I thought in my mind, oh no, did Kerr figure it out? And they ran it a couple times down the stretch, but then they added, they added in some different sets. And that's when I started thinking, okay, Kerr might think he has a little bit more with this team than just a Steph Dre pick and roll. And that's when my mind went to Iggy, Damian Lee, who just executes well, Jordan Poole, the spark plug, Andrew Wiggins, Clay Tom Thompson, James Wiseman. That's so much. The you biggest know what problem. Oh, go for it. I'm sorry. The biggest problem I see them having is getting enough times, but their vibes are immaculate. It seems on that team and they're cool with their, to get their run some nights, to not get their run other nights. And then Jonathan Kaminga, I said last week, Jonathan Kaminga might be good. And it seems like he's good. He was at least really good on Saturday. He was a plus five. He went three of four from the field, five of six from the free throw line and had some lonely free throws after JaVale tried to take his head off, but he played well and he played tough defense several times. I was like, this team feels like Thanos right now. I was sitting there rooting against them. I was like, are these guys inevitable? Which, so, you again, know what? It feels like the inverse to me. So I was thinking Marvel too, but I was thinking, and our Suns listeners are going to hate this. Disclaimer, we are diehard Suns fans. But to the Warriors, we probably represent Thanos. And I feel like Steph is cap right now looking out at the army. And we're going to get to the Western Conference Finals. And all of a sudden, all these portals are going to open. And Clay's going to appear. And Damian Lee's going to appear. And Iggy's going to appear. And all of a sudden, it's just like the numbers of it are just going to be there. And that's frightening. Like, unless we figure it out, they have weapons on deck just ready to get locked and loaded for this playoff run. Um, and I'm just... I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but man, it could get nasty in the playoffs when they're fully loaded. And that, and listen, Suns fans, this is for everybody. What their, their roster, if healthy and not even saying Clay comes back to 100% of what he was 80, 85%. If you get that back and you substitute Clay in for the minutes that Juan Toscano Anderson is playing, or you put Clay where, Otto Porter was or where Gary Payton the second was like it it feels so heavy to root against them and and again Suns fans we get the frustration that you've lived through many years of people talking about how good the Warriors are this is a different kind of depth than they've had uh, even 15 16 and 14 15 it didn't feel like they had this level of depth where it's like everybody they bring off the bench, even the Weatherspoon guy who they signed on a hardship on a hardship contract was really good. So here's the deal. 
when it comes down to this, the dread that I have is balanced out a little bit by my high. And if you remember my high was the execution was good against Golden State. And that's going to be the thing. Golden State is going to have all of the all of this talent. They are going to continue to be great. But the Suns are also an exceptionally good team. And the execution that we saw against the Lakers, and again, the execution that we saw against the Warriors this weekend will be key. But you have to hope for a little bit better than 3 of 11 from Jay, 5 of 19 from Book. You just hope for a little bit better shooting than we got on on Saturday, and you're looking at two just juggernauts going going back and forth. And what's nice too, and we haven't touched on it so much tonight. We our identity is defense first. We yeah. are an incredibly good defensive team. So if you can ride that defense and still perform offensively, it's not going to be a David and Goliath situation. We very much will have every right to be in that. But this is going to be, I think, a harder again. Looking to the future, if we are meeting them in in the Western Conference Finals, uh, this will be the hardest seven game stretch that any of these Suns players have had, um, with the exclusion maybe of Jay and Chris and some of their past series outside of Phoenix. But as the Phoenix Suns today, as we know them, uh, this it, it will be a stressful, anxiety inducing series, and probably won't be fun to watch as a fan until we come out on top. W. I like that you ended with a triumphant idea. All right. Our our last one. Just so you know, Ryan, what you got for the people? So I've been known to make predictions on on the pod in in episodes gone by, and they've they've had a fairly high hit rate. Um my just so you know is I think we're a guaranteed lock for two all-stars this season and quite possibly three. Uh, And I think DeAndre Ayton has played his way into an all-star position. And I think there's a very real chance that we see Chris book and DA on all-star roster this season. Uh, And coming from a team that has just been begging to be noticed by the all-star selection process, the prospect that we could potentially have three this season is just so exciting and vindicating and, and just makes me feel good. And maybe I'm just overhyping DA this season, but I really think that there hasn't been a big better than him. Like I, I do think there are some that are at his level and there's nights that he's not the best big in the league, but it's hard for me to point to somebody and say categorically, they are better than DA right now at the five spot. So I think, I think the Suns could end up with three all-stars this season and that's pretty dope. I'm going to I'm gonna build off of your, just so you know, a little bit. Nikola Jokic is going to get the spot over DA, unquestionably. The big question is going to be Gobert or uh, DA getting in there. And then out east, it doesn't matter for All-Stars. You have Embiid as, as well. So that'll be, that'll be entertaining. Actually, it might matter. It might matter. I don't even know how the the teams or the reserves get selected now. Is it? I don't know. We'll do, here's what we'll, we'll say. We'll look listeners. into it. Yeah, we're going to look into it. It's not that close, but in the next couple of weeks, we'll probably do a full, a full all-star episode. If for nothing else, it's going to give us a chance to absolutely trash several players on the Lakers. And I'm looking forward to it. Specifically. What's going to be infuriating is when Russell Westbrook makes the all-star team. 
if you were if you were curious, that's the guy we would be trashing. All right, my my just so you know for the week, I'm ready for a very particular lineup. I think you'll be ready for it too. Talk to me. Starters minus Jay Crowder plus Cam Johnson. I want this. It is a fairly small lineup, but against most teams, I think Mikhail and Cam can hold their own. In 20 minutes this season, which is an unfair amount, that lineup is a plus 36 net rating. <laughs> this is absurd. One, Basically 130 offensive and 94 defensive. It's unsustainable, but I think, based off of how they're playing individually, I think that particular lineup could be great. And one of the things that's made me think that lineup can be so great is Cam Johnson's individual defense and then Jay Crowder's additional willingness to put the ball on the floor. If you substitute Cam Johnson going to the rack with Jay Crowder's little floaters, I think that could be a very intriguing lineup. So keep it in mind. It's just so you know. Maybe look into it. Maybe think about it. Hit us up on Twitter with what you think that lineup would look like. Pros and cons of putting all the starters minus Jay Crowder plus Cam Johnson. Which now let me let me ask: Are you are you insinuating that you believe Cam should be in the starting lineup and he's ready for that, or that this Mm. should just be something Monty cycles to more frequently? The latter. The latter. I want I want him to get some run with them to see what it will, to see what it'll look like. Because Jay's great against a team like the Lakers, where he's not going to, he's not and didn't necessarily keep LeBron in check, but he can at least body with him. And you don't mm-hmm. like Cam Johnson bodying with LeBron for 25 minutes of, of a given, of a given game. So I just want to see it. I want to see what it'll look like if, if it's Cam Johnson in the corner, instead of, I'm with you instead of Jay Crowder. I'm about right, now. Now we got we got one more thing to do, listeners, before we before we wrap up. According to my calendar, I always like to uh, reference the calendar. New Year's is coming on us, so I'm going to put you on the spot. It doesn't have to be basketball related. Ryan, do you have any major New Year's resolutions? Not at the moment. This is so I'm I'm in a period of of my job where I get. I got the previous week off and then I'm going to get this coming week off, which is really nice. So this is usually the week where I kind of um, do some of my, my look back. So I'll probably put out, you know, the, the five best books I read, my five favorite albums of the year. And that's where I'll kind of look at, at next year. Um, I will say um, I always set a reading goal for myself. Um, I use Goodreads. If y'all aren't on Goodreads, highly recommend. Um, but in looking back in my books read this year, I actually didn't read much sports related content, um, or any publications or or books that have been put out. Um, and usually there's a few that slip in there. So, um, I know one goal I have is to incorporate a little bit more, whether that's memoirs or biographies, um, or you pointed out at Barnes and Noble, uh, the, the top, uh, the 2020, you know, best publications, um, from some different sports journals and things. Um, definitely going to look for some ways to include a little bit more of that just in my, my leisure time. Um, but I'd also like to get to another Suns game. Uh, the last one I, I went to didn't, didn't go too well up in Milwaukee. It was a fun trip, but I'd like to, I'd like to catch them again, maybe this season or, or the start of next season, um, depending on how next year plays out. What about you? 
I would like to get stronger. Tell the people what I do for my physical activity. Uh, checkers. No, I'm just kidding. Incorrect. My, boy, my I, boy is a distance runner. Yeah. So I run a lot. It's how I listen to podcasts. If you're listening to us running right now, hit me up. We can be friends, but I would like to be stronger. So I have goals. I'm looking at my cute little journal right now. I'm trying to Is it live. a bullet journal? I don't know what that means. Don't make me look ignorant. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'm trying to lift upper body three times a week, do leg okay. training a couple times a week, and then core four times a week. Just uh, just trying to be strong before April comes along, and I become the Hulk with dad strength. So Get that's strength. what we're yeah, that's what we're looking forward to. Uh, for those of you who set resolutions, keep them manageable, keep them doable. Make sure they bring you much joy similar to the joy that we get from discussing the Phoenix Suns together. The next time you hear our voices, we will be recapping a game against the Grizzlies, another game against the Thunder, a game against the Celtics on New Year's Eve, but that's an early tip. It's a noon tip, I think, for us Central Time, and then a game against the Hornets. So enjoy some Suns basketball as you're setting your goals. And Ryan, you have a final thought? Oh, I was just going to add a not to, to jump back, but a lot of times in our goal setting, it's very self-oriented. Uh, but I would encourage you to find a, a others-oriented goal to set for yourself. Find a way to contribute to your community, to the people around you, uh, and, and look outside of maybe that normal sphere um, that you would normally look out. There's a lot of people out there who, who could need you um, and could benefit from, from you giving, giving time and love to others. So I would include that as your goal setting. Listeners, you come to this podcast expecting the good. This is what happens when Ethan's gone, you know? The good basketball talk that you always get, and you're leaving with life advice. I'm 30 now. I can do that. (laughs) That being said, and all things being equal, for our beloved Ethan and Ryan, I am Philip, and this has been Into the Valley of Phoenix Suns Podcast. We out.